G'day folks, Jamin here. I am with Troy Herfoss and this is the Insecurity Project. So the purpose of this podcast is really tackling the insecurity problem at a global level by interviewing authors, speakers, people who uh, are achieving some level of success in their life unhindered by insecurity. Just to see what it is they do different, see what they've got to say that could be useful because you know the fear of not being good enough is, is definitely the biggest limiter of human potential and performance that that exists so love the idea of understanding anything that we can to help us all overcome that so um, Troy and I have been friends for a long time and when I think about Troy I think he's definitely one of the most uh, the least insecure people I know and seems very confident so I'd really be fascinated to quiz him in a moment about uh, you know what he what he does different um, he's won Australian titles in uh, motorcycling in uh, world titles even motorcycling as an elite cyclist venturing into triathlon uh, it seems that every area of his life is really optimized for peak performance so uh, welcome Troy thanks very much for being willing to be on the call Thanks, Jamin. Thanks for having me. It's a difficult um, subject to talk about, but we'll give it a good shot, and um, hopefully, I can give some kind of insight in, into what I do. Maybe I'll bluff my way through it, but we'll find out. <laughs> oh, no, I, I appreciate. It. I'm sure you have something interesting to say. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting thing for, for even blokes to talk about because typically men are emotionally retarded and just kind of get through and bluff their way through and, uh, you know, don't really talk about what's beneath the surface. So it's an interesting uh, subject for, for men to talk about, but it's something that's really important. So um, I'd be really interested just as a way of starting by thinking about how your parents taught you about self-esteem, you know, both through any actual conversations that they might have had with you about, you know, being confident or feeling good about yourself to just the way that they went about life or, you know, the lessons that were just implied by what they said or, or didn't say. Like, what was it like growing up in your home when it came to having good self-esteem? Uh, it's funny, I never really... I don't recall mum and dad, you know, having a, sitting me down, having a chat to me about that kind of stuff, but just what sticks to my, sticks to my mind is, is my parents always um, making sure I believe that you know, my best was good enough and um, and doing, trying my best at whatever it was was good enough and um, and, and try your best not to be judged by what others think or, um, it's, yeah, I think that's a big thing as a lot of guys, a lot of guys and girls go through life feeling like they're, they're not doing good enough and I think when you consistently, especially these days, it's easy to compare yourself against other people um, with like social media being so popular. But I think if um, yeah. if you believe that your your best is good enough, then that's that's my best way of dealing with insecurity. Yeah, that's really interesting because one of the things I'm always banging on about is uh, having an internal reference point rather than an external one, um, which it may not be language you've ever you ever come across. But that's exactly what you just described. Um, you know, lots of people have external reference points, like they need validation and approval and acceptance from their world. Um, so what you're describing is, is being able to look in the mirror and assess your own performance and go, well, that's the best I had, so that's going to be good enough, rather than needing anyone yeah. else. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's right. And, and um, Yeah, it's, it's such a... I mean, it's, it's a terrible feeling to feel insecure. I mean, I, I guess the first... 
the first feeling I've got, the first memory I've got of insecurity is, you know, growing up I had had a lazy tongue or a lisp and um, I had to go and learn to, to speak properly and I still have a bit of a lazy tongue and it took for years and years before I was confident to, I mean, I, I went through all of high school without public speaking and now I have yeah. to speak in front of people all the time. And so that, I think that was probably um, my biggest lesson, like dealing with that. Um, I was re- really insecure about my, my lisp. And obviously when you're a kid, it's just high school, uh, primary school, high school is brutal. Um, so yeah. people are picking at you. So like, um, I guess before, when you, when you chatted to me about doing this podcast, I couldn't really think of an example. It just sort of dawned on me, on me you know, growing up. My first real experience with insecurity it was probably probably my lazy tongue. So I, I don't know how I overcome that, but I guess yeah, in right. the end, yeah, I get to a point where I just really didn't, didn't care what people thought and, and um, yeah, it's sort of a funny one. I don't know how I dealt with it, but now it, now it doesn't bother me one little bit. I, you know, I'm happy to have a joke about it if anyone picks up on it, but, but yeah, now I have to speak publicly a lot and it doesn't bother me at all, which, I, you know, I'd love to know exactly how I got over that, but I just remember <laughs> yeah. feeling really scared. I mean, I, I would win a motorbike race and, and the next hour um, before the presentation, all I was thinking about sometimes was having to speak in front of people. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, yeah well, I don't know how I come over, how I got over that, but yeah, somehow I, I just got to a point where I thought, you know, what, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's, did your parents ever coach you through that, or did they they say anything about that lisp, or um, did they just kind of watch you go through that process? What, what was their involvement? Yeah, they they never really made a big deal out of it, to be honest. It was, you know, yeah, my right. dad. Um, I guess my dad had a bit of a lazy tongue, and and pretty much they just they just sort of explained that you know I'll learn, it'll it'll go away like you know you'll 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 learn to to um learn to say your s's right as you get older and just yeah I guess I don't know really they just didn't make a big deal out of it they they helped me with um you know ways of fixing it and, and um I mean it wasn't a massive problem it wasn't like you couldn't understand me it was just you know, when you're in primary school, and um, that's a that's an easy picking point. So it was always brought up <laughs> if there was a few S's <laughs> in one sentence. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's so funny though because it does come back to this internal reference point because um, you know so often people imagine everyone else is thinking a certain thing about them. You know, that's they right. might be subconscious <laughs> about the size of their nose or the shape of their forehead or the colour of their skin. You know, or something particular about themselves and they just think everyone else that is the absolute first thing they notice about them and the thing they're drawing attention to but other people have got no idea like that's and when they hear that that's the thing they're most insecure about often they're like oh really I hadn't even come across that so yeah these stories get so big in our mind yeah and that's right you get it's sort of like a tunnel vision that's all you can think about is that particular problem and yeah so whenever you meet someone you you almost not yourself because you're worried about what they're thinking about your oversized nose or or yeah, exactly big, right big yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and then the more you think about it the more you find evidence that that's true and the, the bigger that story becomes and then you make decisions about that thing like you said you kind of avoided the thought of public speaking because that was the thing that you thought people were going to notice most um, yeah but yeah really fascinating that you found a way to not worry about that and to, um, 
move beyond that being the thing that stopped you moving ahead in life because you've obviously gone on and done some pretty amazing things and it doesn't look like much stops you you know and I'm always fascinated about people because I think um, we've all got magic inside of us we've all got extraordinary capacity but the problem is most people can't access that magic when they need it most um, yeah and and these fears often what's what stops them but it, it seems like in the key moments or the key moments of opportunity in your life you've been able to back yourself enough to step into that rather than um, being held back by fear can, can you think of any times when you've been held back from opportunities or you've missed out on stuff because you were worried about what others thought or didn't feel like you were good enough uh, it's I can't really recall, you know, something, you know, when you want to achieve something, you, you pretty much, you, you pull all stops to, to walk out a way of getting there. So, I mean, yeah, I would never, in my mind, I would never let an insecurity hold me back from sort of trying to achieve the goals I set out to achieve. So it's yeah, a right. hard one. Like even, even with the, the whole speech thing, I mean, that, that was, I guess I was forced to face my fear of talking in front of people with, you know, being in, in the motorcycle racing. I, I had to, as I got older and had sponsors, I had to talk to people a lot and talk in front of people. So I was forced to face my fears. And, and I guess the, just wanting to not let it, not let that beat me, I guess. It was a, sort of like a competition to, to overcome that. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. Um, like when you compete whatever sport that you're doing, I reckon you'd you'd see plenty of examples of really talented people that are limited by head noises. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. I see it so much in cycling. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, especially, I guess, because the cycling in the last few years, I've become more more competitive, and and when you go to a bicycle race, you see so many ridiculously fit and strong people. But they're they're just I guess their 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 insecurities or their fear of of losing or you know people's approval will stop them from yeah. doing things in, inside the race and you know a lot of guys are too scared to put themselves out there to to um to really achieve and I guess that that comes down to a few things insecurity being one of them and and fear fear of of failing and because in sport to or anything. To achieve at a high level, anything you've really got to be prepared for a massive failure, don't you? To, uh, in order oh, absolutely, to and a public failure. Yeah. The higher you get up, yeah, the more that's... people are watching. The more people are invested in you winning. Like I know what it's like watching you race locally, and just how everyone feels. You know, you you are ours. It's like we own you. We we've rested our whole <laughs> hopes for happiness for the day on your performance. And, yeah, and, and I know that must be a mess anyway, the, the, the result I have, if mm. if my friends and family are there, it's funny. It's just like the fear of having to explain um, why I've lost or what happened. <laughs> I guess um, yeah. that's an insecurity too. I guess, but um, yeah, that's a different that's story, it. really, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure there are people that watch your success and want to know what you do differently and. Um, I'm sure there are people that ask you for advice all the time and bit cycling or motorbike riding, you get to coach youngsters. Um, you know, so what is it that you say to people? Or what advice do you give them when you can see that the thing holding them back is not talent or not strength or not fitness, 
but it's actually the head noise or the insecurity or the fear of what others think. What what is it that you say to people when they ask for your opinion or advice in that time? Well, it's, yeah, it's just it's about believing believing yourself and believing that your best is good enough. Um, once you once you can give, once you can be happy with your best, whether it's first, second, third, or, or last place in that event, you can be you know happy with yourself and then confident to to really relax and get get your best results. And and often people are scared by um, what who they're racing against. I mean, if you go to a you know, I'm, I'm watching right now. I'm watching Winter Olympics and the downhill skiing's on, and that's a, that's a yeah. good example because they're competing against people, but they're actually just racing down the hill on their own. But yeah. I'm sure I think that I'm sure a lot of these guys are thinking about their competition more than they're thinking about taking the left and right bends down the course. And that's yeah, what yeah. young guys are like as well. And and when you're trying to achieve in a sport, until you have achieved at a higher level, you don't necessarily know how to do it, and you're probably looking towards other athletes to to learn from and, and then also because of that you're looking up to them and that puts pressure on them because you you put them on a pedestal kind of thing whereas if if you if you just concentrate on your own your own event and your own work and, and believe that what you're doing is good enough then you, you'll probably be able to relax and, and get your best results yeah well so it all comes back to that that belief that your parents instilled in you um, which is a real gift actually that they've given you because so many people struggle in their childhood, especially without that belief. And so that's yeah. really set you up well by, by the sound of things. Yeah, I, I guess it's funny. You don't really think about the things that your parents have told you over the years, but I guess your parents have just got ways of doing things. I mean, yeah. yeah. My, my dad, like it's funny when I think about growing up, my dad was extremely competitive now that I'm older and I realise it, but... When I was younger, he'd always have you know just just go and have fun, and um, but he yeah. he had ways of of making me, you know, not necessarily feel like I had to win, but feel that ways of making me feel the competition and and want to win without sort of pushing me to make that the main focus. If that makes any sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, wow. Like he, he was always always pushing me as as such, but but never actually made me feel like we were there to win a race or um, compete or. I should never have to feel the pressure of competing against other guys. Just, just enjoy it. But in the same breath, the, the way he explained things was, you know, we're here to do our best. So it's hard to explain, really. Uh, it's really cool. One of my favourite uh, quotes around personal development comes from Stephen Covey. I don't know whether you've come across his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's certainly not a big reader. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> it's, no, um, not a big reader. <laughs> um, it's a yeah. This guy said it first and said it best in so many ways. But one of his key quotes is that everything is created twice. So there's a first creation in the unseen world, and then the second creation is just the physical manifestation of what has already been created by design or by default. Yeah. Um, you know that sounds really complicated, but it's just like building a house. The bricks and mortar are actually the second creation. That house has already been conceptualized in someone's mind first. They've seen it, they've created it, they've got it on paper, there's a blueprint, and then the bricks and you know and wood and whatever just follow that plan. Um, so people's life, the, the actual day-to-day life is always second creation stuff. It's always just the, the outworking of what has already been designed um, in the unseen world, in their hearts and minds, often as they're growing up. 
And a lot of the time, without them even being aware of it, it, it kind of becomes a story they live out of. So mm. when it comes to change, like you've obviously been, been given a really beautiful story and an empowering story and a story that's instilled um, real security in you and given you the capacity to reference yourself internally rather than need external validation. Um, a lot of people haven't got that, um, but the cool thing is we're not just an actor in the story, we're the storyteller. So, you know, anyone can change their story by, by just being aware of what story, where the story started, who wrote it, and taking responsibility for writing a new story. So um, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool understand, understanding what it was that was written in your heart early on that's enabled you to get these great results. Um, and, you know, so much about... Um, success is about modeling excellence so it's going right well this is something that really works for you so I wonder what would happen if I was to believe that same story that my best is good enough for me and I was to really own that and that was something I lived out of well that would produce a whole bunch of good fruit so that's that's really cool yeah. right, thanks for sharing that no um, so are there are there practices or rituals or disciplines that you use to kind of develop and maintain this internal reference point because you know obviously one success leads to the next and the, the better you get the bigger the stage and the more opportunities you get and um, you know you achieve a goal and then you think well if I did that I wonder what what's now possible so it's your world's growing bigger all the time um, are there things that you do deliberately and intentionally to kind of nurture good self-esteem and security or, or is it something that just ticks along without you really being aware of it. Yeah, it is something that ticks along without me being aware of it. But I mean, in hmm. in in my job in in motorcycle racing, I to to feel confident and go to an an event um, knowing I'm at my best. But just it's all about um, preparation and, and limiting um, the the what's the word so convocations like limiting. Yeah, right. complications. You, you you want to go there and make things as simple as possible. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just riding a motorbike around a track as hard as I can for 20 laps, say. Um, but it's so easy when the pressure builds up. I mean, if I go to a, a race on a on a Wednesday night at a local club cycling event, it's not a big event and the the nerves aren't there. But what, why not? I'm still doing my best for the same um, yeah, amount right. of time and the same bike. So it's about trying to get yourself in that space where it's it's not as big as you know it might be made out to be it's just another race and yeah right. limiting the complications well, wow that's really interesting and um, it's funny I, I used to always think about stuff as a, a preparation for a bigger event <laughs> like, yeah right like okay that the you know the golden club race is just a it's just a race i've got to go and win to be able to qualify for the state championships and the state championship yep. is just a race i've got to win so i can compete at a national level and it, it, it was a way of, when I was younger, it was a way of making me feel like that race wasn't so important. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and that would, yeah, that would wow. settle the nerves and, and I, I wouldn't feel the pressure from from the event. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm always banging on about the fact that state is king and if you can control your state, then you get access to your best outcomes because a lot of people can't control their state. Like sometimes they're on, sometimes... They're in a great space, but other times the pressure gets to them or something externally influences them and they're totally off. So, um, yeah, so you've obviously got some pretty cool rituals that you are aware of and some that you're not even aware of. Like you may not even be aware of some of the, the thought processes that you go through to prepare, 
um, but they are rituals nonetheless that really work for you to keep you in a good state. Um, yeah. Are there any other rituals that you're aware of that you do that get you in a great space that maintains confidence and preparation and, and keeps things as simple as possible and dials the pressure down? Yeah, it's it's really hard. I guess I'm not a, I don't, I'm not, I don't stick to a, a real structure and then pinpoint what I go through on a, on a race weekend or in preparation for a big event. But, yeah, know, so you're not really superstitious about a whole bunch of things lining up and you know, touching certain things um, in certain orders. Yeah. Yeah, so I am really bad with superstitions, I guess. So I always Oh right. Whenever I have a whenever I have a bad thought, I'll touch my head twice. Like like touch wood, touch wood. Yeah. I, I, I it's so stupid. I always do it. <laughs> it's, and it's got to the point now it's got to the point now where I you know, if I'm you know, I, I'm in the car and I think of a bad thought or, you know, I think of, you know, someone someone's you know hurt or dying or something or you know yeah i'll touch wood twice <laughs> like um if i think of a bad thought it's just what i do is really strange and does that stop the bad thought yeah it just cancel it <laughs> like, uh, and you'll see if, at, the, at the start before a race i like yeah i've even had my visor on my motorbike helmet on the white but yeah. almost come off because i had to touch wood it was like <laughs> it, it, it has to. Ha- as soon as I think of it, it has to happen. It's it's so stupid. Uh, so like I, I might be, you know, I might be going down a hill on my, my bicycle, and, and it's a really dangerous descent. But I think of a bad thought, so I've then got to make it more dangerous yeah, yeah. by taking my hand off. <laughs> <By foot>. taking... <laughs> yeah, right. But, but uh, it works. It's strange. It it works. It definitely. That's, that's yeah, amazing. And that... sort of making that feeling at ease. Hmm. I'm such a pragmatic person, so I'm all all I care about is what works, and I, I like that about the coaching space because it really takes judgment out of it, rather than saying things are good or bad or right or wrong. It just says, does it work? Does it get you what you want? Cool, keep yeah. doing it. If it, if it does it not get you what you want? Okay, great, change it. You know, yeah, so it's, um, it's funny how the mind works, really, isn't it? it, it I imagine so you found a, a way. Like, yeah, you think nerves are high. It's um, it's worse. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I don't know when that started, yeah. and I don't know why I do it twice. It's really silly. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah, works, left, left right? glove. It's always the same ritual to to get the my racing gear on. So the same process to to get ready. So left left away left boot left gloves always first. And, yeah. Yeah, mate. I, I, I love rituals. Things you go through. I mean, obviously, you look at someone like Nadal or, um, you know, even David Warner, between every ball, he undoes his glove. Yeah. And there's a there's a thing he goes through, and I'm sure if he didn't do that... He's resetting, yeah. Yeah, he's resetting, absolutely. And so it's all about clearing, the, clearing any complexity, like you say, keeping things as simple as possible, being able to let go of everything outside of your control and be 100% ready for what's coming on and... And uh, all that aligns with the belief I'm I'm capable to do this, and I I can you know face whatever comes if I if my head's clear and if I'm relaxed. Yeah. So it's obviously really useful. Yeah, I'm sure, especially in high pressure situations, it's it's, it's probably whether people think they're doing it or not, everyone's either got it structurally set out or they do it without even knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So in terms of your big dreams, because obviously being a competitive person and, you know, really thinking about being at your best, 
Um, are there big dreams that you've still got that sometimes you question whether or not you're, you're good enough or you've got what it takes to go to that next level? Or how do you, you know, does there any times where lack of confidence would stop you um, really taking things up a notch, do you think? Um, yeah, it's, it's funny, like I've all got goals. Like my, my lifelong goal is to be a world superbike champion. So I'm um, obviously still would love to do that. And, I, and now I've got an opportunity next weekend to race in, in the best championship in the world. And it's a funny yeah, feeling wow. that. I'm 31 years old and now I'm sort of a rookie again. So it's yeah. a sort of exciting feeling, really. The nerves are high. And, but I, I, I sort of, nothing sort of, I don't have a feeling like anything's going to hold me back, to be honest. Like, um, yeah, I can only, like I said before, I can only do what I can do. And, yeah. and I, I believe in the right circumstance, I'm good enough to, to be at the front of that championship or that event. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so... Everything, if everything plays out right, I, I think I can be competitive. So, but it wasn't always like that. There, when I was younger, there was, you know, I I really remember getting to an age of like 16, 17 years old when I before I realised that I was, you know, a good motorbike rider, and, and that sport was something I could achieve at. Before that, yeah, I right. really had a lot of self doubt, I guess, of whether I was good enough, and probably comparing myself against the guys I was racing against, and um, yeah, I sort of just got to a point where I realised that if if I do my best, then it's it's probably good enough. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that theme again, that internal piece. Um, I have to ask you about the national road racing, you know, the cycling titles that you competed at recently, because you know everyone in Golden was watching you race around that track, and um, you know, leading the field almost all day. Like, yeah, is it was that was that another experience of um, you know, this same thing that you're, if you show up with your best, um, you know, what you're capable of will be amazing. Like, can, can you talk us through what was going through your head that day and what you were believing about what you were capable of? Yeah, it was such an incredible day. Obviously, cycling not being my, my number one sport and, and a sport that I follow and love and and um and train really hard for it. That feeling of of and realization that I was my best was good enough. It was incredible. Yeah. And um and being out of the front all day was just it was sort of like un, it was unbelievable there for a, a lot of the race. It wasn't until the last few laps when I really realized that that I was I was making a difference in that race. <laughs> and, um, yeah, well, yeah. But that it's funny. Like it, it's been a three year process really that that race. Like I've done, yep. that was my third attempt. The first year I went in there not knowing a thing about the race or the course or the people I was riding against. And, and I remember I was so, I just wasn't myself the week of the race. I, you know, I didn't train like I usually would. And um, I started the race at the back of the race and, and I just sat in the pack. And, you know, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I just sat there until my day was over. And it ended yeah. halfway through the race, and I and I left there so angry at myself, like, you know, so <laughs> yeah, so right. disappointed in myself for for how you know I just done. What nothing. were you most I angry didn't... about? Like what were you what were you disappointed about? I just felt like I'd fail. I failed so bad, not because I, well, one because I didn't finish the race, which I wanted to do, yeah. um, but two because I, I'm, the main reason I felt like I failed is because I didn't I didn't do anything. That I that I set out to do, I didn't I didn't try and be aggressive in the race and and make a difference. Yeah, so, right. You know, I, I've always lived by 
the idea that you should, if you're going to compete at a high level or, or if you're going to compete at something, then you've got to do it to, you know, to make a difference. You don't, you don't just compete to be another guy in the race or the event. Yep. And, um, yeah, and that right. day I just sat there, I just sat on the bunch until I was, it was over. And, and so I left there and changed a few things. And then, you know, I went back the second year with a, a lot more open mind. And, and then I realized I, I was good enough and I finished the race. And, and so this year when I went there, I, you know, whether, whether people think I'm a fool or not, I, I went there thinking that I was a good enough chance. If things went my way, I could do something special. And I, and I said to Emily, my girlfriend, before the race, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to just finish this race and say I finished it. I want to, I want to get to the end of the race and, and either have done something really awesome or failed miserably. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, wow. I worked out on that day. It was just incredible. I, I got in, everything went my way. I got in the breakaway and I got to experience being in front of the race and, and the pressures of that. And um, just the most incredible feeling. It made all the hard work worthwhile and, and, um, and that, but I, I, you know, and people, and people say to you after race, oh, you should have done this and you should have done that, but you know, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't care. What, what I, I done my best and I done what I thought was right, and, and at the end of the day, yeah, I'm nice. happy. So, um, yeah, yeah there's wow. no insecurity about that that, that result. <laughs> wow, because um, I'm sure, like you, you said it yourself, cycling's not your number one sport. So there are people who are racing there who cycling is their whole world and it is their number one sport. So obviously, there would have been a bunch of guys a fair bit stronger than you, yet your belief um, enabled you to do something that they weren't able to do. Like that must have been interesting too, watching other guys um, not have a go and not make a difference in the race, limited by some strange belief. Yeah, and that's that's right. And you see it so much in cycling. I think a lot of guys, they, they don't have a competitive edge or um, yeah, they're not willing to put themselves out there. I mean, it's a long race and, and I've raced of a 180k race the first 40 kilometers i raced like it was my last 40 kilometers and yeah. you know, just so i could be in the front of the race and, and give myself a chance because it's not yeah. that i was the strongest guy on that day it's just that i i, yeah. I knew my strengths and weaknesses and, and i backed myself hmm. yeah well that no, was really cool to watch and so cool hearing the story and what was going on in your head that enable that because I, you know, I love the thought that all behaviour comes out of beliefs. Like, beliefs is kind of the factory, and behaviour is the end product coming out. So, um, yeah, and and behaviour never lies. So, you know, we think we believe all kinds of things, but if you want to know what you believe, observe what you do. So, it's really interesting exploring your your beliefs in that. Um, okay, so if you were to think about, uh, you know, people just having a crack in life because. Obviously, people have got all kinds of different goals and dreams and desires, some in the sporting field, some in the business space, um, you know, some financial, some relational. You know, everyone's got a, got a sense of goals and dreams. Um, is there anything that you would say to people, um, you know, out of your own experiences and anything that you would add about, um, you know, what it takes to be at your best and to really make the most of the hand you've been dealt or the, the, the skill set that you've been given? Uh, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is setting goals and, and, and give yourself a deadline and to, set, to achieve them goals. Don't, don't live day to day. I mean, if you, if you live day to day, your life's going to be an emotional roller coaster. You'll be happy, happy when things are going right and the next day it's going bad. But 
yeah, if, yeah. You, if you set your goals and, and you know set a six month goal or a two year goal or a ten year plan or whatever it is, but evaluate how your life is going at that point. <laughs> so that way, you, do, how often do you review those? Like if you, yeah, sure. If you're setting long term stuff, how often do you check in and reflect on or assess how well you're going at those goals? Well, for me, it's a, it's a, I go year by year, I guess, because my, yeah, my, right. the goal, my job is the, the racing, so that the racing season, so, and, and I race in a, in a uh, nine round championship, so if I was to evaluate, you know, judge myself on each round, you, you know, or each race, or each, each session, it would just be, you know, my, my head would be a mess, because you have, you have a bad yeah, day sure. on a Saturday, and a good day on a Sunday, and then, or vice yeah. versa, but yeah. at, at each, at the end of each year, I, I have a, I think about you know how the year went, reflect on it, and and um and then work out a way to make things better. I mean, this last last year was a was a tough one for me, and and I, in my racing, and I, I didn't I didn't win, and I and I but I felt like I'd done my best. So it's yeah, sure. a, a tough one a tough one to reflect on because it's when you're competitive, you you sort of you want to win all the time, but. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sat- I'm satisfied with how last year went. I'm disappointed I didn't win, but um, but it'd be easier to say, you know, that was a bad year and have my head down between my knees and be upset about it. But I'm sort of starting this year feeling like I was good enough, and um, a yeah. bit of luck could have gone my way, and and um, and things would have been differently, different. But yeah, and and especially in my sport, confidence is a massive thing. So if you if you're not setting goals and and um. And sort of sticking to sticking to them, um, yeah, you, you're going to be struggling a lot. So, um, and you yeah, see people are having having a good or a bad day, but they they're usually not looking far enough ahead to see how things yeah, may right. work out for them. That's really interesting. So, playing the long game um, and with the belief that if you keep showing up and bringing your best, that there's going to be ups and downs and different things that are outside of your control, and you're still going to have good days and bad days. But over the long haul, your best. Is gonna is gonna get you a long way, and yeah, it's probably yeah, gonna be good enough to be realistic, I guess. But yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Anything yeah, else you're gonna say yeah, about four, four good days and one bad day? You're still three good days ahead, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> people get to that one bad day and they always reflect on the bad days. They never give themselves a chance to reflect on the good days. Hmm. That's really interesting because I think um, when I first started out as a parent, like I've got two kids, as you know. Uh, and it's a big deal being a parent. You, you want to set your kids up well for life, and um, I want them to feel good about themselves, and I, I want them to, you know, go on and do cool things with their life. So I'm always interested about the impact I'm having on their life and how well I'm doing as a parent. So my goal is to be a great dad. But um, you know, early on, I used to assess myself like constantly throughout the day as to how I was going with that, and you know, I'd beat myself up really regularly about not doing well at certain things, making mistakes. I that was short there, I was frustrated, I didn't do this, and oh man, I'm failing them. Um, but it, it wasn't until I started playing the long game, all off the back of going, do you know what, I, I know that I'm a good dad, and I know that my kids are going to benefit from having me as their dad, and I reckon if I show up and bring my best, I'll still make mistakes, I'll have bad days, but we're going to have more good days and bad days, we're going to have more good conversations and bad conversations, and the net result of my impact in their life is going to be really positive. So, yeah. It kind of took the pressure off in the moment and enabled me to actually show up better and more relaxed and be a much better parent anyway. So, um, yeah, that's really interesting that you say that, that playing the long game is a really important part of 
being your best. Yeah. Oh, was there anything else you were going to say about uh, stuff that's worked for you and in the area of confidence and security no. and, and really being at your best? Other than tapping your no. head? Yeah, tapping my head. You know, yeah, just just having that that, that belief that, that what what you are doing is good enough, and and um, yeah. not allowing yourself to be judged easily by what's going on around you. Just uh, yeah, go about your business, and if you if you are doing your best, then um, yeah, it's got to be good enough. And if it's not, then yeah, that's that's the people around you is bad luck, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hmm. Okay. That's really cool. Um, now, where can people find you? Where are you? Where do you post most in terms of your social media presence? Where can people kind of follow the life and times of Troy Herfoss as you go and do cool things this year? Uh, I think Instagram is probably the best um, place for content. So pictures yep. and a bit of a write-up of what's happening, and and um, and I use Strava a lot, the athlete website. Follow, follow training and, and what I'm up to where I'm at but yeah Instagram's probably the best one fantastic alright and you just Troy Herfoss at Instagram or on Instagram yeah. yeah excellent well look I really appreciate you taking the time to let us know what's inside your mind and heart and some of the key beliefs that have enabled you to do the cool things that you've done so yeah really appreciate it and I'm sure people will find that really valuable so thank you I appreciate you having me Jamin thank you All right, great. I'll talk to you soon. See you, mate.